G'day humans, welcome to the safe space for dangerous ideas. Uh, this is The Buzz, tech and science news with the one and only Professor Joel Pearson. But really, Joel, talking about all things uh, human, what it means to be human on the basis of news <laughs> Everything human. headlines. Good to see you, uh, Good to see you. So Taylor Swift is obviously a uh, forefront of your mind. Being yeah. a- You're a Swifty? <laughs> Uh, I admire her. She's who wouldn't like it. Like, did you, did you go to one of the concerts? Have you been? Not. No, I haven't been. You're not going to every single one. Not liking her is like not liking kittens. <laughs> I would, it would say Shame something bad. You. It would Shame. say something bad about me if I didn't like Taylor <laughs> Swift. Why are you a scientist, neuroscientist, psychologist, bringing me Taylor Swift though? On a platter, yeah. Um, I mean, I saw the media, like probably a lot of people, that this conspiracy theory thing had kicked off around the Super Bowl. She was there. And then I saw a survey saying that just under one in five Americans believe that her being at the Super Bowl, her boyfriend slash partner, whatever, that them winning was all this psychological ops program as part of the CIA to infiltrate, to get Biden re-elected to nominate. Like this whole thing started building momentum. Right. And yeah, the idea 20% is of people. Because she's not conservative, that she's going to win over people who are watching the Super Bowl to the to vote for Biden because That's she's dating she, some. Yeah, she hasn't even one? come out this time in, in for Biden. I think she did last last election. But yeah, my understanding is people this started sort of resonating and bouncing around from Fox News. Surprise, yep. surprise. First up, and then people started believing it, right. um, talking about it, and it just. And does that baffle you as a neuroscientist, or do you go well, obviously, or a psychologist? Well, conspiracies are an amazing thing, right? And we saw during COVID that they jumped. And we know that when people are anxious, stressed, being bombarded with uncertainty, they're more likely to believe conspiracy theories. And what is a conspiracy theory, though? Because some people listening to this will say, well, a lot of conspiracy theories around COVID turned out to be true. Like it was... It was initially a conspiracy theory that the government was uh, incorrectly advising us not that masks were useless because they wanted to hoard masks for first responders. Well, that turned out to be true, or that you right. know, initial concerns about uh, you know I don't know heart inflammation and myocarditis in certain populations. Uh, you know that actually turned out to be true, or that but then there you know, are lockdowns like had overstayed their welcome, and that turned Bill out Gates to be true. Bill Gates created COVID, and it spread through the five G network, but how through the Kabbalah thing, that through Hollywood. Would. Well, that's the, uh, more. Some people I've met people recently who were fully into this, and I was shocked when they started going into the detail of. Uh, I won't go into it and say who they were, but I, I was genuinely I want shocked. Names, Joel. Yes, I want, I'll say, <laughs> I want to hunt them down. It's like, but honestly, I'm interested. If, I'm interested if this is true, the yeah. level of coordination between Hollywood, between governments all over the planet, between multinational drug companies all over the planet. Between all the select, like it's like open your eyes, sheeple. Two people in the government can't even, you know, get yeah, the same wavelength. It right? is and interesting. It's like, so I guess there's no strict definition of what a you know a conspiracy theory is, but normally it's believing things that maybe you don't normally believe. That it's normally a complex um, group of people, and normally you know a government or a company, a group that is conspiring to do something you know bad. Right, and say, that what appears to be happening is not actually. What's happening? Something it's being else orchestrated the by, yeah. some, by powerful interests. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. The but see, I think we can fall into the trap of dismissing all conspiracy theories as idiotic or misguided 
because the extremes are. Like I often hear people reaching for Bill Gates is putting 5G chips in everyone's brains or the most extreme QAnon things like, you know, Hillary Clinton is running a pedophile ring out of a pizza parlor, which, <laughs> which are, you know, yeah, there was some number of people who believed that, but the vast mm. majority of people who found the traditional narrative around COVID suspicious were not that. Yeah. Right? They were not that extreme. So they don't want to be tarnished with the same kind of uh, – you know, disdain as you might have for full-on, full-blown tin foil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists. So, how do you figure out what's true and what's not? Otherwise, you're just going to believe every single thing that the powers that be tell you is true. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to do that. And then some people say, "Well, do your own research." That can also be dangerous when you're talking about psychological things or the way a virus works. Right? It's not like people can go and do their research in half an hour and understand how a vaccine works, for example. Um, we should also take note that there is good evidence when people are bombarded with uncertainty and they're stressed, they're and they're, they're, they're emotional, their anxiety goes up, You're, you reach for certainty, you reach for putting things in place that can make sense to make yourself feel better. It gives certainty. Um, so you're more likely to f try and f form something out of the chaos. So in other words, you're more likely to believe these things. Right. So we should keep that, you know, in our minds. So when you're destabilized, you're more yeah. susceptible. I mean, that 9-11 that, that is a clear case of that as well, right? Like, you know, I've, I've met many people, surprisingly large numbers of people who think that there was something fishy about 9-11 that, you know, oh, mate, the, you know, they, they didn't even find any wreckage of the plane in the Pentagon and so on. Yeah. And my general response to that, quite apart from directing them to the excellent uh, popular mechanics uh, article, I think, which came out in the early 2000s, which systematically went through all of the um, conspiracy theories and, you know, consulted engineers and everything with explanations for that, is just to say what you were just saying about how complicated the conspiracy would have to be. Yeah. Like if the plane didn't actually crash, then all the people who boarded that plane went somewhere Right. I mean, so the families are the families of the victims in on it. The people who boarded the plane. I mean, how many people in government did you need to coordinate You've this thing? A, yeah. And not it's... a single whistleblower came out. Like the, anyone who understands how public policy works and how bad and inefficient <laughs> institutions are, cannot believe that you would have a conspiracy that good. Like it would be the most impressive thing ever to fake to do all these things. Like you said, they're just so complicated. Yeah. Uh, okay, so you don't believe that Taylor Swift is on the pay on the Biden payroll? Uh, no, I don't. Okay, very good. Uh, <laughs> um, um, do you want to talk about the uh, the state of the American yeah, election? Let me just throw one American more politics. thing. We yeah. also have, there's a psychological thing called apophonia, which is our, we're like desperate to pick out patterns in noise, right? So you can show people random numbers and they're like, oh, there's a pattern there. Some, like it's not really random, right? And it is random. And this, you can apply this to the hot hand effect, which is like in sports and basketball, people get absolutely convinced that a certain athlete, you know, is hot and they just, they're going to keep scoring over and over again. So we see these patterns, we can't help but see them. And sometimes when it comes to these very uh, improbable things, they can make us believe things. An example, the example I talk about in my recently published book, Josh, um, the Intuition Toolkit is uh, premonitions, dreaming about plane crashes. And you can run the numbers, um, the number of people who dream and re would remember emotional dreams about planes here in Australia or in America is a lot. And so anytime it's a plane crash, you expect more than one person, many people to come out and go, hey, I dreamt about that last night. 
And that is so tantalizing, right? We see that pattern there. We want to believe it's meaningful. It means something for us and the world. And that that pull is very powerful. Yeah. And it's similar with the conspiracy things. It's like for these things to happen, it's a rare thing. For it to look like this, it seems improbable. Therefore, I'm going to believe it's happened for a reason and this right. is the reason I'm giving it. Right. It requires a better explanation than just, well, shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that point about randomness not seeming random is interesting as well. Is it the case, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember hearing that if you show, if you if you ask someone to write down a string of random numbers, they'll write them down in too random a fashion. Like they'll never yeah, put yeah, yeah. four sevens in a row. It'll all be all over the place. But actually, if you do roll dice or, you know, if you do do the roulette over and over and over again, then in a truly random sequence, you'll find four sevens come up and people will look at that and go, that's not random. You wouldn't get four sevens in a row. That's too unlikely. I might just have to fix that to make it more random. And there's actually order in people's perception of what randomness ought to look like. Yeah, exactly. And this was, I think, a crucial part in early like uh, computer detection of fraud. Because when people tried to fake numbers, they would, they would, they would never put, you know, 10 things in a row because it looked did look weird. Right. But these, yeah, you get, if you flip a coin, you get long sequences of 10, you know, heads, 20 heads in a row. And that happens, if you do it enough times, it happens quite often. So you detect the fraud by noticing things that don't seem random because those are the, I mean, that seem too <laughs> random for random. They alternate for, too for, much, yeah. Like yeah. There's, 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 yeah. And so, yeah, because humans don't believe that's random. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Um, it is. Okay, so and then the whole Taylor Swift, like the, is this teaching us something about the psychology of Americans or of people in modern society that we're susceptible <sighs> to this? Is there something peculiar about America at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about this and I was going to ask, I think there is something peculiar about America at the moment. Well, Sorry, that's probably American true at all, <laughs> at, at all times. But I mean, yeah, so what... <laughs> I don't know. I lived. You lived in America for for a while, ten yeah, years. Yeah, I lived there for about three years. Life. Nashville, Tennessee, not New York, but but close. I mean, you lived maybe. in the real America. The real. I America. lived in the international island. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I love a lot of things about America, particularly the national parks, but a lot of things, the cultural, the innovation, the tech. There's, there's, there's so much to love about America. But I don't know. Just of late, just it's it feels like. Being a bystander and watching a car accident happen in super slow motion or something, there just seems to be a slow crumbling. I mean, this election that's coming up, right? The age of the candidates, the fact that it, we could end up with someone running America who will be, I guess, a convicted uh, felon or convicted in, you know, fraud and 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 lots of other things. And if you rewind twenty years, that idea, if you pitch that idea to someone in Hollywood, they would have laughed and said, not possible, right? Mm. If you go back to the um, the West Wing days, right? The idea of something like that happening in the White House just seemed like it would be too crazy to write in a script, right? It's funny you it's mentioned the West Wing because I watched it all again a couple of years ago. Yeah. And the things that happen that they regard as being audacious are so run of the mill yeah, in no, comparison like, to what actually happened. It's, it's, it's like, wow, there it's might a small be- gaff, one yeah. word or something. Or, something. or there might yeah. be like a Middle Eastern country that's trying to, you know, manipulate a US election or something like that. Well, fast forward to the Arab Spring, the whole middle, the, you know, the Iraq war, the whole middle 9-11, Everything has gone up in flames to such a greater extent than anything yeah. they were predicting in the late 90s when that show started. So what's your, what do, I mean, what is your take? You're probably plugged into the US culturally more than me. What is, what is your take? Where, where is America in 10 years? I mean, God, I mean, where are any of us in 10 years? I mean, I don't think that you can extricate that question from the question about, 
algorithms and AI and no, technology and digital devices. Do you still think America is a democracy at its heart? Yes. Really? Yep. But isn't there data that um, don't most Americans want to change the gun laws? Uh, but people in Congress, anyone who's elected can't do that because they rely on funding that is dependent on the laws being the way they are and all kinds of other complex things. And there are certain points like that where it seems to Well, every democracy, every democracy the, has, I mean, undemocratic uh, components to it, right? There are elections that we can cite here in Australia, like the, I think it was the 2000 election between Kim Beasley and John Howard, where Kim Beasley won the majority of the popular vote, but John Howard won the election because of where the votes were distributed in different electorates. So that could be regarded as undemocratic. Um, there are all kinds of things that people might want, like action on climate change in Australia that doesn't get through because of the yeah. vested interests of fossil fuel groups. In America, I think something like gun laws has less to do with the amount of money that gets poured into that issue because it's actually not a huge amount when you look at uh, – I've looked at the numbers on that. It's not massive in comparison to other industries, but it's one of those scenarios where the people who care about it care very much about it and will flip their vote on it. Mm. And for everybody else, it's their fifth or sixth top issue. And when you've got that dynamic at play in any democracy on any issue – uh, you can have a small number of people calling the shots because they're the ones who are going to vote people out of office for being on the wrong side of the thing that they care about. And the other people yeah. just don't care enough. People who want gun safety you know, regulations still care more about the economy than they How do about feel, gun safety. When I go there and go to a university or something, there's a little voice in the back of my head that thinks like, you know, university schools, you know, there could be some lone gunman sort of situation happening. And that never crosses my mind here in Australia. Well, whether isn't in that the UK. a psychological bias? Isn't that know. isn't that a um, maybe it's from the media? What do you call that that psychological bias where you're just selecting for things that are the availability bias? Isn't possibly. it possibly things that are easy for you to grab onto in your brain that you associate with American universities are the things that your brain goes to. But statistically, on any given day, the number of American universities and schools that get shot up is so vanishingly yeah, small that small. it's not worth yeah. your even thinking about. I guess it was. I mean, when I was living there, I went to one of those probably Bass Pro stores or one of those outdoor stores where there's just, you know, racks of guns and crossbows. And I saw the father, young son situation where they were, he was buying him his first gun and he was, I don't know, nine or something or 10, I don't know, some very young. And that kind of stuck with me. I was just like, and when you get something I'd never experienced in Australia, being, you know, going to get a suit and a jacket and then they go to measure you and they say, are you carrying a gun, sir? Mm. You say no, 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 and I, and I was just like, yeah, of why course. Most, pe most people are carrying <laughs> guns in the in this shopping center. In well, this enough that they have to ask the yeah, question. Yeah, and it's just the, 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 it's those things as well when you're there on the ground. I think that seep in. And, and to me, that's just a, a cultural. That's a branching off of two different cultures. That's just a cultural yeah. norm. You know, there, there's a there's a cultural norm of responsible gun ownership in the United States in large swathes of the U.S. that they regard as being completely um, unrelated to mass shootings and gun crime. They regard those as being mental health issues, like mm. permitting issues and that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, I, I, to make an analogy, it's not a perfect one, but you could imagine someone 
who uh, lives in an area where it's not the norm that people know how to swim, you know, in the United States. So, you know, they might come from black communities in the deep south where there's, a, you know, there's no history of learning to swim. And they might think that it's absolutely bonkers that we would be taking three, four, five-year-old children out into crashing surf hmm. uh, yeah, in, yeah. in Australia. Yeah. That's reckless. Um, or, you know, there might be people who live in big urban centers in other cultures in completely different countries who think that, you know, I don't know if you've grown up in Shanghai, the idea of us going out camping in an environment in which there are snakes and spiders and, and, and all that might just seem like, you know, it's bizarre. Why would you, why would you do that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think those are cultural differences. Each right? their own, yeah. yeah. So you're, you're still a bull on, like, on the US? I you think it's sort of, strong well, for the next 10 years and it's not, it's not crumbling? Like it's not- well, it's the end of the empire. I mean, it is, there okay. is just a, there, it is just a fact, isn't it, that uh, China is- To hear the rest of this conversation, go to uncomfortableconversations.substack.com slash listen, and you will get your own personal premium podcast feed with at least three extra episodes of the podcast every month and heaps of extra stuff, including the remainder right now of the fabulous conversation you've just been hearing. If it was worth listening to this much of, don't rob yourself of the rest. Pull out your phone right now and search for uncomfortable conversations with Substack. 